0: We're in. So, I mean, how long has it been since we recorded last? Because this is killing me, not being in here.
1: Gosh, it's been, I think it's been a solid five days, maybe six. um, Feels like
0: longer? Yeah, it feels like five weeks.
1: Well, it's because we talk about it nonstop. When we're not in the studio, we're thinking about being in the studio. Our poor wives... That's all they, it's all they, bless they hear their about. <laughs>
0: They've got to deal with this now. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs. Again, across from me is TJ Darty, and we're the Reformed Informants.
1: Lance, I'm impressed. You have yet to mispronounce my name, which is. An Accomplishment in and of itself, so keep it up.
0: Well, every time I'm about to say it, I'm like, Oh my I, I can tell. goodness, do I can tell. not mess this up.
1: Darty party that's the best way to remember it. So, yeah,
0: well, now that you said that a couple weeks back, that, that literally runs through my head. Good,
1: good. I'm just I just wanted to <laughs> affirm you in that. I'm, I'm very pleased. It's nothing worse than cringing at the sound of your own last name being yeah. butchered. So,
0: I'm uh, guessing that's happened many a time, it has,
1: um, on a regular basis. Um, thankfully, my first name is always pronounced correctly, so that's that's not an issue.
0: Yeah, T T J. Yeah, straightforward. Um, well, I-, I think we've got in front of us a pretty solid series uh, that we're going to work our way into uh, in this episode. Basically, over the next, I don't know, four, five, six episodes, uh, we're going to dive into bibliology, try and clarify some major issues um some major questions that most people deal with or have regarding bibliology, uh, in particular. Um,
1: hey, what is bibliology? We 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 use that word. You and I are familiar with it, but if somebody that's a new term for somebody, what what is bibliology?
0: Yeah, I I mean I would describe bibliology as basically dissecting the scripture in regards to what God has revealed. Is the scripture inerrant? Is the scripture infallible? Has it been preserved, translated, copied, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Is it actually God's word? There was in no particular order. So this I just is, started mumbling.
1: So in general, then, it's it's just related to the Bible, right? Like all these questions are... Um, this is the doctrine, I guess, of, of the Bible. Um, you talk about systematic theology. I believe it was episode one. We kind of outlined um, the general doctrines that are central to the Christian faith and saying, if we're doing systematic theology, we have to have these particular items and bibliology, um, is related to scripture or God's word or the Bible. Why are we starting here? Lance? Like of all the, if we're going to, if we're going to hone in on our first series of doctrinal discussions, why not the study of Christ? Why not the study of salvation? Um, why why the bible yeah, why I start think, here
0: yeah i think we decided to start here because the, the bible is our foundation it is our framework to build out all the other aspects of systematic theology so we want to set before you know our listeners that um that the bible itself is actually god's word it is true there are no errors in it it has been preserved The copies that we have sitting on our desk, or that we're looking at on our phone, or on our laptop, or whatever, we can trust those are actually God's words. So if we have that confidence and we have that understanding, now we can look at those particular words Mm -hmm. and draw out what we want to know about Christ.
1: Right. So, so I would agree with you, and just kind of to echo that that this is without the Bible in place. um, What foundational truth do we have upon which to build? a doctrine of Christ or a doctrine of salvation, right? Like this is the word of God, and we have to uh, verify that, study that, make sure we understand that properly before we can go on and move and build into um, the rest of our theological system. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
0: Yeah. Lloyd-Jones says that the scripture is the impregnable rock. Yeah. Like everything that we mm. do is built on this solid, firm foundation, this, this rock. and. Uh, uh, I think we would be—I uh, think we'd be missing it, or, or missing really the entire point of, of the podcast if we didn't begin uh, here and build off of build off of this.
1: Okay, so we're going to start with the study of the Bible, but we've particularly we're going to hone in in this episode on the um, the concept of revelation or the question of has God revealed Himself. Um why start there? why why do we begin with revelation and not with um a discussion of is the Bible inerrant or is the Bible infallible or is it authoritative? Why do we actually begin with this concept of revelation
0: yeah we have we, I mean we have to start somewhere. Has God actually revealed himself right Has the one true God of the bible has has he revealed himself to mankind and if so, and we obviously firmly believe that he has yes, and that he does. he
1: has, he does.
0: Um, that needs to be our starting point. Has God actually revealed himself? Can we determine that and, and, and then trickle down into those other you know, nuances with bibliology?
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's fair to say um, that the question of revelation is a natural beginning point. Um, actually, if you think about any religious study, uh, any any type of, of religion is going to be based on some kind of revelation, right? Like w- even religious um, belief systems that we would reject are based on a form of revelation. And so for Christianity, you could say there is no such thing as Christianity. There is no gospel if there is no revelation, if God has not revealed himself to us.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would absolutely agree with that. There, there, there is no gospel. There is no good news there. I mean, it, obviously if God hasn't purposely made himself known, if he hasn't purposely revealed himself, then it would be a, a, a task that couldn't be accomplished in terms of knowing God. That's, ex- it, it, that's exactly right. It would be an impossibility.
1: That's the, that's a perfect way of saying this, that if God has not revealed himself, then there's no point in even searching. There's no point in even looking or desiring uh, to know or to understand God, to pursue any of these endeavors, because he hasn't revealed himself. Right. Uh, but we would, have, of course, affirm that he has. Now, before we jump into that, let me, let me ask this question just to kind of help us to think properly. Why, why does God reveal himself, or why has God revealed himself? Um, you, you you think about this like yes, God has revealed Himself, but He did not have to. No, um, He's 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 was God. He under
0: any obligation at all to disclose Himself? Never in any way. Right. shape or form. So
1: okay, so He's under no obligation. Why? What is motivating God to reveal Himself to a broken, fallen human human uh, race? Yeah, why, why would He do that?
0: It ultimately has to come back to his glory, for his honor, for his glory, for the promotion of his character, uh, for the promotion of who he is. Um, I mean, it, it literally go, it circles right back around to God reveals Himself for Himself, himself. Yeah. W- which is absolutely beautiful. And and that you know we're called the Reformed informants, but that that is that is what Reformed theology ultimately drives itself back to is. Like, everything that we're studying is for the glory of God, not the promotion of man or, or any of those things. It's, you know, ultimately getting back to we're studying these things, defining these things, trying to live these things for, for the glory of God. And and, re, and Revelation would be no exception to that.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, Louis Burkhoff, and, and I've mentioned him before, he's my favorite systematic theologian, but he says that God has revealed himself in order that we might rejoice in the manifestation of his virtues, especially those which are demonstrated through the work of redemption, which is essentially what you just said, for his own glory. And then the secondary reason is so that we might come to know God and, and be able to experience salvation. So, yes, God has revealed himself in order that he might save sinners, but the purpose in saving sinners is that he would be glorified. Absolutely, right. So yeah. th- it's it's a it's a both and, but there's a primary, secondary, and the primary reason that God has revealed Himself is that He might be glorified. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So if we're gonna get into the details of revelation and how would we divide that up based on what Scripture gives us, what would be the two categories that we would divide up revelation into, or, or Or are there more than two? Or we just kind of define those as two?
1: Yeah. um, Traditional, typical, systematic theologians um, throughout historical theology have defined um, revelation by means of two particular categories, as you mentioned. That is uh, general revelation and special revelation. Um, General revelation, just kind of broad strokes, is uh, revelation that has been made generally um, hence the name has been made available to all it's available. Um, it, it is simply, um, universal in its scope, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. And don't, and don't think that the word general means just some generic, like exactly. nonchalant, okay, I'm going to reveal myself, yeah. you know, in some generic general common means like, um, that it somehow isn't powerful or that it somehow isn't supernatural,
1: Right. So I I think you're I think that's a really uh, important distinction to make that that all of revelation is indeed supernatural in the sense that it comes from God. Right. Like this is a general or universal revelation is still a divinely um, instituted process by which God is revealing himself. Now, he does so um, general in a broad universal sense. Primarily through natural means, okay. right? Like that's the the, the there is not a um, a breaking through of nature um, typically, and we'll we'll be able to explain that a little bit more in right. depth. Uh, but then there's also special revelation. How would you def- how would you distinguish special revelation from general revelation? Yeah,
0: general revelation, of course, would be generally speaking what God has revealed to all people at right. all at all times right. um, since Genesis one one, the the creation of the world. Um, up until this very point. But then I would define special revelation as God revealing His own personal words that have been documented through the hands of people that He has set aside or set apart to record the very thing that He once recorded. Um, so special revelation, uh, we would sum that up as being a revelation from God as revealed in Scripture. And okay. we'll detail that a little more on w- what what we would consider the canon of scripture or what books we would say would not be considered words of God. But generally speaking about special revelation, we're yeah. talking about words that God has revealed uh, through human authors and what we would call the Bible.
1: Okay. Okay. So, and I think that's a, a, a thorough and please and, add to that. No, 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 that's a, that's a sufficient and thorough definition. I think it's, Time for us to now discuss those two. So, we've got general revelation and special revelation on the table, but let's kind of dive into um, general revelation. Um, I I think general revelation is the more natural starting point because it is available to all, it is um, universal in scope, and it is, um, I, I think, that special revelation builds on general revelation, right? Like, you don't have access to special revelation prior to General Revelation. Everybody has access to General Revelation first, and then Special Revelation comes into play.
0: Right, absolutely. Okay,
1: so General Revelation. Yeah.
0: uh, I would say at least the first starting point uh, that I've gone to teaching uh, systematic theology over the last decade or so um, and it's it, just I, so casual. Just yeah. keep
1: teaching systematic theology over the past decade. Yeah, that's just uh, what you know, I've been just doing. no big deal. You know, um, no big deal. Yeah, over the, the the last ten years, this is how I've done it. So don't take <laughs> my word for it. Uh, yeah, but anyway,
0: yeah, I, t- I take this approach because I think that systematic theologies also take this approach of working and going uh, with creation first. When we talk about general revelation, usually the first point um, that that I recall. All of the systematic theologies that I've, you know, looked through, they begin with creation, that God has revealed himself through creation. Um, one systematic theology, Hervin Bavink, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Bavink, yeah. right? I and think it's a four-volume it situation so he's got you, going on. I've
1: referenced Burkoff a lot. Burkoff is, in a lot of ways, a summary of Bavink. So Bavink is a more robust Burkoff. Uh, so Such you have my approval. Such a beautiful appro- word. A beautiful appro- word. Robust. robust. Yes. No reformed person can have a vocabulary <laughs> that lacks the word robust.
0: Yeah. So, Bobing he says about creation. He says, speaking of God, that God is creating, sustaining, and governing together form one single mighty ongoing revelation of God. So the fact that God is created, the fact that God is sustaining and governing all things, that forms together and knits together one mighty mm. ongoing process of the revelation of God. Mm. And what I mean by process, I don't mean that it's building, but it is, it is a continual um, act of God making himself known through what he has created.
1: That's yeah. I would I would totally um, affirm that. I would agree um, that that creation is the natural uh, starting point. And I also think it's um, it, it makes sense when you consider the biblical canon itself, right? Like where does where does the Bible begin? It begins with the creation, right? Like this is how God has made Himself known to His world. Right. Uh, the world itself has access to God because God has created and demonstrated his character in his creation.
0: Okay, now there's some classic text for this, okay? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw you a little softball here. Okay, yeah, lob all it right? up for me. But you know that Romans 1 is the, the classic foundational, yes. amongst a couple other. Yes. But if you're having this discussion at all, Romans 1 is always included, so... Take take this away there. I just lobbed you one. Okay, so so
1: the reason why Romans one is always included is because this is exactly the argument that Paul is making in Romans one. The introduction or the opening um, section in Paul's argument in the book of Romans is to demonstrate that all of creation um, has no excuse before the Creator, but has a responsibility before the creator and thus all are guilty before the creator because Paul is going to introduce the gospel through the book of Romans and Romans one in particular um, highlights the fact that God has made himself known. In other words, we might say he has revealed himself. He has made himself known through his creation. Uh, it, it, Paul says in Romans one that his invisible attributes namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived. In other words, you might pay attention to creation because he says, ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, you might see and perceive his eternal power, his divine nature. Uh, In other words, there's a creation, therefore there must be a creator, a divine omnipotent creator. And so therefore, Paul's conclusion is that man is without excuse.
0: Yeah, he does it brilliantly. Of course. I mean, he lays this thing out so clear. You can look back uh at verses 18 through 20 which you've already referenced, but he says that for what can be known about God is plain mm. to them because God has shown it. That's right. I mean, that language there, I mean, uh, we're talking a 5-year-old can get that. <laughs> Okay.
1: That's and, and that's revelation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so then then he goes on for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. And then not just not just recently, but ever since the creation mm-hmm. of the world and then like you just finished up with. So man is without excuse. Right. Man is without excuse. And and Paul uses the without excuse terminology uh, I think two or three more times working through Romans one and even into Romans chapter two. Yes, making the point that man knows God exists.
1: That's right. And and Paul, you mentioned some of the classic texts. Um, another one, uh, Psalm nineteen one. This is one that that people know by heart, whether or not they know they're understanding general revelation or not. But the heavens declo- declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Like walk outside, pay attention to the skies, the trees, all of creation, God's handiwork is on display, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's in essence, am I getting that right? No, you're. you're well,
0: yeah, because Acts 14 also says that God did not leave himself without a witness. What might that witness be? <laughs> well, the witness is what we've been discussing. Right. That generally it's creation, but here he just gives an example talking about rain
1: and seasons, Um so that might be the sustaining that Bob Inc. was speaking of, right? Like there's a creating, a sustaining, and a governing that together constitute the ongoing revelation of God. So yeah. his sustaining of his creation by sending the rains, by sending... Um, You know, that he is constantly preserving his creation.
0: Hey, we we get the rain situation here in Texas. It'll be sunny, and then an hour later, it's tornado warning with thunderstorms and, you know, hail everywhere. Every
1: weekend for the past month and a half has been rain city. Um, so we, we certainly um, can, can relate to that. But even, even uh, Paul in Acts 17, um, which I've just spent quite a bit of time studying, but he, he deals with the same thing here. He, he tells them, even your poets, the non-Christian, non-Judeo-Christian um, thinkers and philosophers of the day have still tapped into the reality that there is a God, they have still understood that there must be um, because God has revealed himself to us in his creation.
0: Yeah, so Paul there in Acts 17, he uses general revelation that's as right. a foundation to ultimately get where
1: to the gospel. Yeah, he's absolutely. taking them, he's taking them to Christ.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh,
1: we we've talked about creation. I think we we would agree that that's um that's a, a fairly non-negotiable um, we're, we're not going to have a whole lot of pushback when we say that God has revealed no. himself in creation. Where else can we look? Because let's say I deny, let's say I grew up in 2019 and I live in the world of neo-Darwinism and I reject um, the intricacies of creation because sure. I embrace um, all this, all the scientific evolutionary theory, um, which I think has been, adequately addressed elsewhere, so I don't want to get into that, but let's say I do embrace that. What other argument do you have from general revelation that God has revealed yeah, himself? Yeah, the
0: second argumentation would be conscience, and these are easy to remember. Creation, conscience, Romans mm-hmm. 1, Romans 2. That's They're right. back-to-back. This is easy to keep locked in your mind here when you have these conversations, and you're dealing with answering maybe these questions or, you know, whatever's been proposed to you, but next we would go to conscience, and what, what do we mean by conscience?
1: Well, I, I think in conscience you have kind of a uh, this is this is a divinely instituted imprint upon us whereby we understand the basic moral law of God. Is that which is
0: uh, this, how necessary is this for our culture, our time, oh, two thousand nineteen? So was, you're saying we have absolutes? Are you saying that God has laid out morality? Are you, are you saying that this is understood by every single individual.
1: Uh, Yes. Whether they would affirm that or understand that or not is irrelevant. Um, I was actually just listening to Moeller on my way over here, uh, Al Moeller's The Briefing, and he was addressing the fact that atheists still maintain that they can be moral. Well, of course they can be moral, but where does that morality come from? Yeah, based on what? Right. That morality comes from God's giving it to us, internally on our conscience. So am I making this up, or what, is, what does Paul say in Romans 2? Like, where where am I getting this?
0: Yeah, well, there, there's texts that support this. I mean, we're not just, you know, pulling this out of the air. There are texts that support this. Again, Paul's trying to indict all of mankind. Yeah. Romans 1, he's indicting the Jews uh, for being sinful before God. Romans 2, he's now bringing the Gentiles um, because, into the Because mix all
1: are guilty, right, before God. Yeah, That's g- g- his point. Yeah, he's
0: building his way to Romans 3, that every exactly. mouth is closed, every mouth is shut, uh, you know, all are sinners, all fall short. No and then, one seeks
1: after God. Yeah, right, uh, right.
0: absolutely. So he, he he's setting up the good news with the bad, and he does that in Romans 2 by talking about the Gentiles, that the Gentiles without the, the law, without the physical law, in what laws are you talking jews. about okay well, yeah. so you're talking about the old testament yeah, law yeah i would say the old testament mosaic law the mm-hmm. jews have that um i mean we know that mm-hmm. I mean, obviously paul does as well but he then brings into the brings in the gentiles and he says okay they don't have this external mosaic law and mm-hmm. in, in other words they don't have a bullet point list of what god does and does not want them to do 10 commandments etc right right but how are they able to follow the law without the law is what Paul is getting at here.
1: And what's his, what's his answer?
0: So, yeah, the answer in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 is that the Gentiles, they show the work of the law written on their hearts. Hmm. So hmm. W- w- what exactly is Paul getting at there?
1: Well, I mean, I think we've just said it, right? That th- He goes on to say their conscience also bears witness and that their conflicting thoughts accuse them. So there there is something internal that has been planted there. Well, who did that planting other than God himself? Absolutely. Right. So God is revealing his nature, his his law even informally on the hearts of man so that we can say there is a God. And that's all we can say right now with general revelation. Sure. There is a God. Who that's has, all we're trying to get. That's at, all we're yeah. trying to show. Because that's what Scripture is showing us. There is a God who has created. The heavens declare his glory. Um, there is a God who is sustaining, um, who sends rain, and who preserves his creation. And there is a God who has some kind of moral standard because it is reflected in us. I mean, we have his image. Right. Right? We, we bear his image. So that image reflects back to there is, a, there is some kind of structure because... We live in a world, like you said, right? We live in this culture that rejects absolute morality and absolute truth. But listen, the simple fact is that everybody understands there are certain things that are just wrong. Like the, You don't have to have an argument over whether or not rape and murder and those issues are, are immoral. Of course they are. We all understand that. And the conscience
0: that, triggers it, at those things.
1: That I think that's a outstanding way. You're exactly right. The conscience triggers. It's it's There's a defense mechanism that comes up within us that says, stop. There needs to be justice here. Um, even cultures and societies that aren't built on uh, biblical foundations are still going to have some form of justice and morality. Right. It's there because God has revealed himself. Right, Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it takes us back to where we started. God didn't have to reveal himself at all, but he has chosen to do so for his honor, for his glory, and he's revealed himself externally to people, mm. but he's also revealed himself internally to people. So, again, this is why man is with, without excuse, mm-hmm. b- because God has made himself known externally and inwardly. That's
1: right. Through creation
0: and conscience.
1: Right. Okay, we we would say creation and conscience. Um, we You could also have an argument, a discussion about whether or not um, God has revealed Himself through history. I would say He has. Uh, yeah. So,
0: in your findings, getting your PhD in systematic <laughs> theology here, uh, s- still not so there yet. What What have you found regarding history being lumped into general revelation? Is that something that's been common that you've come across, or
1: you, you know, it's not it's not uh, generally accepted. I think we've hit on the two main ones: creation and conscience. That. Uh, um, those are the the primary means in Romans one, Romans two, whereby we see general revelation. But um, there are some who have highlighted. I'm thinking of of Millard Erickson. He he highlights uh, the role of history. Um, and and you think, how in the world is God revealing Himself in history? Well, m- put simply, God is moving along and and um, navigating and traversing the course of history, and He controls the destinies of nations. Right. So if you think about the world powers that have come up and then have fallen and the, uh, the greatness of the nations for a season and then their destruction, um, that is God moving through history. Now, we have a greater understanding of that because of special revelation, but looking back through those spectacles of faith, as Calvin would call it, I can see that this is how God is moving. So even though I don't know a whole lot about God in that way I know that there's something greater than the nation there's something greater than the highest power on the earth and that there is um, a movement throughout history Job 12 Psalm forty seven, Daniel two, um, Acts seventeen we've already mentioned, that the 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 periods and the uh the boundaries and the dwelling places and the, the the reign and the kingdom of these nations are fixed in time by God. Right. Right. So so there is a um a sense in which history speaks to a greater being. Sure. Right. Yeah, so
0: there's definitely scripture support to yes. place this into a systematic theology, yes. but it may just be personal preference as far as whether or not I'm actually going to put that in there. Yes,
1: yes, I would say that's fair. Yeah, um, that's good. So we've spent a lot of time talking about general revelation, and we've talked about the way in which God, the God of the Bible, the God whom we worship, has revealed himself. But I want to ask this question, because we've we've built a biblical case, I think, adequately for general revelation. But is it sufficient? Is that enough For salvation, is that enough um, to have just that version of revelation? Yeah, Uh,
0: you have to ask the question. The question has to be asked, is it enough for salvation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. General revelation. Uh, I would argue from Scripture that general revelation is not enough regarding uh, the purposes of salvation. Uh,
1: Okay, Okay. follow-up question, Lance. Why not? Well, because you just made a, we made a really good case, right? right. Like God has revealed himself, his, 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 um, the moral character of God is on my heart. Um, I see his hands, um, through creation. Every time it rains, God is moving and I want to worship him. Why is that not enough? Why does the, why does the village across the world that sees and worships some other version? Why is that not
0: adequate? Yeah. I, I would argue that it's inadequate, and I think we can demonstrate this from the text, but I would argue that it's inadequate because general revelation does not provide any knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There There's is. There is no knowledge of the cross. There's no knowledge of the person and nature of Christ. We cannot be saved based on general revelation only, and we, we want to stand on that, not as... Not, not as a means of boasting about, you know, our discussion on general revelation, but we want to stand on the fact that people need the gospel. This is this is also the urgency of going sharing the gospel, begging and pleading with people to come to know Christ because this is this is the way of salvation. People must have special revelation in other words.
1: Would you say then that general revelation in a way indicts humanity and therefore special revelation provides the means of salvation itself.
0: Absolutely. I don't think there's a grasp of um, this idea of salvation based on general revelation only. I I don't think that Paul goes there anywhere in Romans one and mm -hmm. Romans two. And in fact, I think the opposite, he uses those things as an indictment to show that you are guilty but, but then that's when he comes in and he interjects the, the good news. He interjects special revelation, that's which is Christ. Right.
1: That's right. I mean, when you look at the book of Romans, which is where we've kind of camped out a little bit, that's exactly what Paul does. I mean, Romans 1 and 2, we've talked about creation, conscience, um, rejection of God. Um, separation, depravity, um, all of the... It, it is an indictment, a formal indictment that he's do, hes building a case that says you are in your sin, separated from yeah. God, and have no access to Him.
0: And he's using, all throughout the letter, courtroom terms, legal terms. Exactly. You know, so, again, it's not just, just this nonchalant indictment. I mean, we're talking... Um, Again, we're using courtroom language, courtroom terminology. This is official stuff here, exactly.
1: And then, as we've talked about previously, and we'll talk about again, the gospel comes in. And so, yes, General Revelation. Thankfully, Re- Re- Amen. Praise God, because General Revelation is not sufficient. I-, I think you said this really well in one of our earlier episodes that the gospel—that uh, you cannot have systematic theology without the gospel. Because without the gospel, you cannot truly know who God is. Right, right. Like that's part of God revealing Himself to us is the reality of the gospel. Because the the gospel includes the the loving kindness, the mercy, the grace, the wrath of God. All of those things are depicted at the cross. And if you don't have that, you just don't see who God is. You right. miss part of Him.
0: Absolutely. So the
1: general revelation and i also think that there's a there's an insufficiency because this world is broken now there's a there's sin we you and i don't see things the right way the world itself is um is groaning and and crying out for god's um renewal itself um but ultimately general revelation is insufficient for salvation because it does not point us to christ right so right. so so, the,
0: so what does what does point us to christ what what will we how would we label or how would we identify or how would we define now special special revelation? We we need it. Right. We need it for salvation, so where, where do we get it?
1: Well, I think um, as you move from general to special, you have to think now God is revealing himself not just as a being but as a person. He is revealing himself personally, and that shows up, um, as we have already alluded to, uh, through the Word of God, like He has revealed Himself in His Word. Um, now He does that in a variety of different ways. Okay, um, yeah. So let,
0: let's start. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's start. Start with the first one. I mean, so w- we wouldn't make the claim that as soon as Adam and Eve were created and their children and their children's children, we wouldn't claim that the Bible was already there. Right. 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 Uh, well, because c- it clearly it's a, it's wasn't. A great point. So, as far as God revealing himself in a special way. What does it look like in those early portions of Genesis, yeah. for example? Okay,
1: so Garden Garden of Eden, it says that God walked and talked with Adam. That is a special revelation. That is, that is more intimate and it is... It is personal. Okay, right? so like, now
0: God is—he's really stepping into that's right this world. That's
1: right. That, this is a um, a supernatural, not just a supernatural revelation, because we would argue that all revelation comes from has a a supernatural origin. But this is supernatural means, right? Right, like both general and special supernatural origin. General revelation is natural means. Special revelation, supernatural. So now, um, Old Testament, especially um, early before the prophets step on the scene, you've got theophanies or Christophanies, right. where where Christ is manifest or God is manifest in some way in His creation. And we're gonna and we, have to do a
0: whole episode on that, by the way. Of course, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We're, just yeah we need, bear with us here. We need to
1: keep moving forward yeah. as as much as we can. Uh, but yes, God is speaking directly um, to. Adam in the garden. Yeah, so we're we talking audible, audibly. Yes, yes. Okay. There there are other other um, means by which God communicates in Genesis, um, and as you progress through the book, now you jump into uh, maybe the story of Joseph. How does God communicate to Joseph?
0: Yeah, yeah well, we're, we're now God is using dreams. Mm. We see that in some of the later books in the Old Testament as well, um, that, that God is communicating through dreams and then the interpretation of those particular dreams, which I I, I would also argue on on that point that God using that particular means as far as revealing himself um, through special revelation, through dreams, I would argue, although it does happen, that that is a rarity even in scripture yes so uh, also another episode well yeah (laughs) yeah please don't think when we say that god is revealing himself in dreams that every page of scripture that you turn to and every character every person that you come across in scripture is somehow receiving divine revelation through dreams because that is just not the case yes cover to cover well here's
1: a here's a good uh, time to mention this we've already said it before but but revelation is progressive right like god is revealing ever so slowly throughout the pages of scripture and we're going to see it culminates in christ but the process by which god is making himself known is progressive he he uh, builds upon previous revelation so he speaks directly then he speaks through dreams and then he okay. comes he comes in the form of the nation of Israel, okay. right? Like Israel is to proclaim the goodness of God as yeah, we're the talking, example.
0: Yeah. God through Moses would right. essentially be his spokesperson at that point. Yes. Exodus 20. Um, and then after that, we're rolling into... Like prophets. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, the, the, a biblical reference that is helpful in this case, I think, is Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen, 18, uh, which kind of characterizes all of the prophets in one verse, because... Uh, God is speaking here um, a- about how Moses is sort of the first prophet, right? Right? And right. this ultimate prophet that's going to come is Christ. Right. But all the other prophets in between are sure. types, right? They're, they're fulfillment, they're sub-fulfillments, and they're pointing forward to the greater one. And God says this in, in Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen, He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and here's the the key phrase: and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Right, right. So yeah. the, the prophets speak on behalf of God. Right. So the spoken oral word, as we, or the written word, as we will eventually get to, is, as Isaiah proclaims right. the truth, um, as Jeremiah wails out for, as Ezekiel, as Hosea, as Jonah, as these prophets right. step forward. They are speaking the Word of God
0: right, and we know that they're true prophets based on Deuteronomy eighteen based on Deuteronomy thirteen because the true prophets only speak the Word of God and draw mm. people to God they do not lead them down other roads to other gods,
1: yeah gosh yes, yes amen
0: so so that 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 is I mean we're talking bird's eye mm-hmm. we're, coming down from outer space look at Mm -hmm. essentially the Old Testament and progressive revelation God working audibly um, uh, rarely through dreams but then going through Moses and on down the line throughout the prophets so that basically um, summarizes Old Testament special revelation again we'll get into the nuances in later episodes of course okay now jump over the New Testament real quick what what, what do we have going on the New Testament what's the situation there how, how was God making himself known there? because I, I would argue it it really looks it looks different because Old Testament thus said the Lord. God said, now in the New Testament, if I remember correctly, at least in the Gospels, God only speaks audibly three times. So has God just disappeared from the scene? Is he not revealing himself? What, what what do we have going on in the New Testament?
1: Well, a really important character in the biblical narrative shows up in the New Testament. Um, kind of <laughs> kind of inaugurates. Who would that be? That one. That one character is Jesus. And so when Jesus um, comes into the scene, think about who Jesus is. Jesus Himself is God in the flesh, right? John one, He tabernacled, He took on flesh, and He dwelt among His right. people. So He brings the being of God into the world in a way that fully reveals. He is the manifestation of God himself. Um, What does Jesus say? He says, no one has seen the father unless he has seen the son, right? Like you don't understand. You can't get to the father unless you come through the son. The son is God revealed, right? He is the ultimate fulfillment of that revelation, Uh, That's what the book of Hebrews says, long ago, at many times, in many ways. This is how the book begins. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's what we just spoke about. But in these last days, here comes a change. He has spoken to us by his son. So there's the shift that has occurred. Whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. That is Jesus. So Jesus has become the revelation of God in the flesh um, so that we might see who God is. So you're right. In the Old Testament, God is saying, this is who I am. And again, all of this special revelation is personal. It is intentional about revealing who God is specifically and not just generally, right? Like that's what special right. revelation is. Um, and and it's most clearly seen in the person of Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we see Christ that is he he is revealing the words of God. Mm -hmm. He's only speaking the words of God that have been revealed to him. He's only doing the things that God would do. John 5 is a great reference talking about Jesus doing everything that he sees the Father do, whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. And that carries over to his words. Mm -hmm. Whatever Jesus Christ is saying is indeed the word of God.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, after Christ, um, not to diminish the, the... uh, person and the revelation that Christ is, but the the New Testament doesn't stop at the gospel of John, right? right. It continues into uh, the rest of those uh, New, Test- New Testament books. You've got Acts, and then, of course, you've got the letters to the churches and, and um, on into the book of Revelation. So right. how do those, how would you, if Christ is the ultimate fulfillment right. of Revelation, why does the story continue? Um, because we've already had Christ. Christ was here. Why is more Revelation happening?
0: Right, well... We've got in the upper room the night before Christ dies that he basically commissions the disciples apostles that they will be the writers of the New Testament upon receiving uh the Holy Spirit from on high remember it's to uh it's to their advantage that Jesus goes away and when he does he'll send a helper or a comforter and he will bring to remembrance everything that he said to them um
1: and they and the spirit will Bear witness, right? right he will
0: testify. That's right. He will testify of Jesus Christ, of
1: all that Jesus has taught. Right. So the Spirit, this is not new revelation in a sense, but it is a um, an expansion or development or a re reworking of that revelation in written form. Right. Right. Yeah,
0: I think that's one of the missing components, at least in pneumatology or study of the Holy Spirit. This idea that everything that the Holy Spirit does is in promotion of Christ. It's that's testifying right. to the Word of Christ. That's as some it really is forgotten in, in in our time because there's a greater emphasis on other things.
1: Yeah, we want to see the physical manifestations sure. and not the uh, pointing to Christ that is subliminal. Right. Um. So, so so yeah, I would ag- I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah. So Jesus says, "I'm going to send the Spirit." The Spirit does come and powers the apostles to start and ignite the church. We see that in the book of Acts, but. Also, throughout the book of Acts, the apostles are called witnesses mm-hmm. they are They are witnesses to the resurrected Jesus Christ. They are witnesses to all all of Christ, and uh, they begin writing down their record of jesus 's life and what that means through throughout the epistles um that 's why we would go back to classic texts like second Peter chapter one uh, verses nineteen through twenty one that talk about the Holy Spirit that is guiding the writers of the Old and the New Testament mm-hmm. to essentially write down the prophetic word or write down the yeah. words
1: of God. Thinking about all of these things, just to kind of wrap this up before we jump into the uh, Informant's Initiative real quick, but why does John write what he does? Why does Luke write what he does? Right? All of these things were written so that you might believe. Right? Yeah, John like,
0: 20, 30, and 31. Exactly. There's a purpose. That's right. That is yeah. his
1: That is his mission. What, why does Luke write to Theophilus? He says, I have investigated these things so that you might know that they are true and they've been tested. This is a true, documented, uh, validated testimony or witness of the risen Christ. Right. So all of the New Testament, well, just like all of the Old Testament, points to Christ, who is the ultimate revelation of God. Right? So I think we need to, to understand that the Old Testament prophets are proclaiming about the truth that is to come and the fulfillment of the one um, in which God will reveal himself uh, most fully at the cross. And the New Testament bears witness to what has occurred at the cross. And so all of Scripture is to point us back to um, the person and work of Christ, um, and it is there that we see God most fully right.
0: revealed. Right, yeah. Revelation 19.10 says that... Um the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, uh, regarding mm-hmm. that all of prophecy, all of Scripture. And when we think of the word prophecy, uh, we're, we're not talking about just future events. Yeah, we're not talking just about, predictions, right, right? Absolutely, but all of Scripture—it's all a testimony of the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, perfect way to end that. Um, let's let's wrap up. Yeah, we're running uh, out of time here. Yeah, right. we we got we could do this. Just so I mean, this is amazing how fast time goes uh, when you're talking about the things of God. Uh, Informants initiative, big takeaway, um, big wrap up. Here's here's how I would kind of um, try to put a, a bow on this a little bit, and I would say that God, when we think about revelation, um, God is accessible. He is near to us. Um, but not because I think we need to be careful. We would never say this, but I think, you know, subconsciously we might think God is near to me because I have, uh, paid attention, right? Like I've, I, I, I look around if I'll just pay attention, I'll see God or, or I might, I might notice who he is and I might obtain access to him because of my, uh, personal righteousness. Um, but that's not the case. God is available or, um, He's available to be understood because of his love and kindness and because of the fact that he has revealed himself. Right. Right? Like, there's nothing that I can do. There's no amount of attention I can pay that would allow me to understand or see who God is from general revelation or special revelation unless God had revealed himself first. Right. So he is only accessible because he has made himself available to us so that we might worship him.
0: Yeah, and since he has made himself available... And since he is demanding our worship of him, we are responsible for what he has revealed. Paul makes that clear with general revelation in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2. And then I think Jesus makes that argument even more clear when he basically says that some will receive worse punishment for rejecting the things that they were able to witness during his life as opposed to those in Sodom and Gomorrah, Tyre and Sidon, etc., they, they rejected God then. How much more of a punishment to those who received the special revelation of Christ and rejected that? Yeah. I think Hebrews 10 also, also speaks on that issue. So we're responsible mm. for what God has revealed. And I, we should take that seriously.
1: And I think that's why we are doing this podcast, right? To yeah, pay absolutely. attention to what God has revealed. Well, hey, if you're not doing so already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and our YouTube channel. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at r underscore reformants.
0: If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.